0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Oh, so good to be with you tonight. So good to be welcoming the stranger. Um... I was in Portadown, Elam this morning speaking. Really enjoyed it. Pastor Ross McBride sends his greetings to all in Emmanuel. So it was just lovely to be there. I um, I just sense tonight that God wants to do something, and our hearts wants to do something really powerful. I asked Warwick for a flip chart, and this is what I got. So it's going to be a really exciting night. So um, uh, don't tell Al, I'm using this. Whatever you do, um, but. Uh, I just think it's really important tonight as we get into this, as we get into this idea of welcoming the stranger in response to Jesus' um, love God, love neighbor. In Luke chapter 10, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said to Jesus one day, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? And, And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind with all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself and of course the lawyer is sort of caught out in the hop and uh hi william amen. reach out your hand and let's pray for this mighty man father we thank you for william we pray your blessing upon him tonight lord fill him and refresh him in jesus name amen Amen. 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 bless you bro there you go there you go that's the wise words of william Um. And so this lawyer got a little bit embarrassed by Jesus' response. He asked this, this question that, that um, he asked this big question. He says, Who is my neighbor? Right? Who is my neighbor? Who is it? And of course, that's a great question, isn't it? Who is it whos my neighbor? Who is the stranger amongst us? Who is it that we're looking for? All right? Now, he wasn't. Certainly prepared for the, 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 the response that Jesus was going to give him, because Jesus then in Luke chapter ten, responds with the story of what we know, the story of the good Samaritan, and he tells him that, that story um, and it would appear that the neighbor in the story is the man who 's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and, and, and sort of these other three characters, the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan are are the ones who are trying to find out who their neighbor is. And of course, Jesus comes up and he, he is going to say he freaks all the Jews out. And that's exactly what he does by saying this Samaritan actually was the neighbor. The ones who shouldn't, should have been the neighbor weren't. And the one who probably shouldn't have been was. And so what he was actually doing, what he was doing to this young lawyer, I think he was trying to, like us, we're trying to figure out who we're supposed to love, who we're supposed to show justice to, who... Who are we supposed to show these acts of mercy to? And I suppose in response to this question, who is my neighbor, the big question that I would love to pose tonight as we go through this is, who am I? Because I think that's the, that's the big question. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you? What are we destined to be? Because in response to loving the stranger and in welcoming the stranger, we've got to figure out who we are. We're part of something bigger. This isn't just about us. It's just not about us four and no more. It's just not about me and my feelings and my little insecurities and all the things that are going on in my life. We're called to something bigger. It's called the body of Christ. And if you're a believer here, young or old, you're part of a body. You're part of the church. You're part of the church. It's called the Ecclesia, or the ecclesia, I think is the proper way. Dave keeps correcting me. Is the proper way to say it. It's where it's an adverb, e x or e c, and it's where we get our word excavator from. And so, when you excavate, you just don't dig a hole. You actually dig something out of the hole. And that's what the church is. It's the called out ones. It's not just the called ones. We're called out of something. All right. So we're in the world but we're not of the world. We're living in a different um, domain, and we're going to look at that as we go on through um, a little bit tonight. So, um, first of all, what I want us to do, I want us to talk a little bit about who is, who is a, what is a stranger. Now, this is the Oxford Dictionary, all right? This is just the Oxford Dictionary. A person whom one does not know or with whom one is not familiar, or a person who does not know or is not known in a particular place or community, or a person entirely unaccustomed to a feeling, experience, or situation. Now, that could be anybody, couldn't it? That could be someone in here tonight, and most likely is, someone who's feeling a little bit unaccustomed. What were those people doing? What were those hands in the air all about? And what about those flags? What was that? I thought July was the time for flags. It's like, you know, what, what, all of these questions that are, that are floating about, um, what, 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 what are they singing? What does it mean? What is this all about? What is this little baldy man now talking about? What is, what is going on? And so all of this goes on. And so just in case you were wondering who the stranger is, let me set the, the card straight right at the beginning, all right? Just to totally, absolutely bust your bubble, here's what Paul says. Paul says to the church at Ephesus at that time, you were without Christ. He says, every single one of you were aliens. Imagine being called an alien. If I called you an alien, you'd be offended. But Paul says we were all aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and we were strangers. We were one of these people who weren't accustomed to what was going on. Strangers um, from the covenants of Providence, having no hope and without God in the world. But he said, I love this. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, you, you, the stranger, you, the alien, you who were once afar off, now you've been brought there by the blood of Christ. It's this incredible thing that, that God welcomes the stranger. Remember, Jesus himself was a stranger, right? Even when he was a little baby. Remember, the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, you need to take him uh, away into another country. They fled down to Egypt. I'm glad somebody took the stranger in. I'm glad somebody took Joseph and Mary and their little baby in as a stranger, as a alien, as a refugee, uh, if you will. And so I could take all of next 20 minutes or so, telling you how God loves a stranger. Um, But the idea is Paul again writes to the church at Rome right from the beginning, and he says, while you were still helpless, while you were still in your sins, while you were still powerless to provide anything for yourself at the right time, just at the right time, Christ died, became a substitute for you, for the ungodly. And of course, there's loads of stories in the Bible. We could unpack this. We could go to John 4. We could talk about the woman at the well that Jesus actually encountered, this woman who came to the well in the middle of the day, which nobody ever did. And she came there because she was unclean. She had been married and divorced so many times. Nobody wanted to be around her. She was sort of a, the dropout of society. But Jesus Welcomes the stranger. You see, the person always becomes more important than the principal when it comes to Jesus. all right? And so this is the beauty, beautiful thing, and so we need to understand this. We want a church that is different, you see. We want to be an Emmanuel, a church that accepts people, not because of their social class and not because of their ethnic group or the color of their skin or their belief system in which they've grown up in. We, we want to be a people that go into the highways and the byways as we see later on of society, not just in our own community, but to bring them in and to let them know there's a God in heaven who loves them, and there's a family who will welcome them and embrace them, even though they're different, and they smell different, and they dress different, and and their belief systems are different, but we embrace them and we love them as a people of God. Doesn't matter class or creed. Doesn't matter if they're Protestant or Catholic. Doesn't matter whether they've got money in their pocket or not. This is a house that we want to be uh, called a home and so we want people to feel that was the number one thing 20 almost 22 years ago when we sat around a kitchen table we devised three things that we would continually be a family we would be a hospital and we would be an army and in case you wondered why I'm putting those three fingers up I can't put the other three up and hold out. have we stumpy fingers you see so that one doesn't go down without this one going down you see so I have to do that so that's just, just just in case you wondered it looks better than that all right, and so, so three things, a, a family, a hospital, and an army, and so of course we're a family, we want to be a family, but we're a family in mission, all right, and I remember somebody asking me, Miles Wilson, asking me many, many years ago when we bought here first in 2003, he says to me, Phil, what's the most important thing to you? And I said, well, family, Miles, family is the most important, and he says, well, why is it that, he said, would you bring your family to live in the war zone? And I thought, oh, that's an interesting question. Right on the, right on the line. And I said, well, we want to be a family on mission. We just don't want to be, like, like you know what it's like. Like, we had, a, we had a family barbecue today. And Phil is the chief barbecuer of all time. And I don't know how many burgers and steaks and all that he did. It was brilliant. And we've, we, have a, we have a brilliant family. There's about 23 or 24 of us whenever we get all together. But if we live together 24-7, well, you can imagine it in your family, couldn't you? You know, we, we need to be a family and mission. We'll go out tomorrow and we'll do our own thing and we, and we come together for those family times and it's so important that we do that. And so this is the idea, this idea of, 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 of being loved, being cared for because we welcome the stranger. I want to set that right, right from the beginning. Now, if you've got a Bible or a smartphone um, and you're not on Facebook, Um, Would you turn up to Mark chapter 10, all right? Mark chapter 10. It's not on the screen, so I want you to look it up if you could, because it's really important we read this. 46 through to 52, Mark chapter 10. Um, The story is uh, of Jesus. It said, then they came to Jericho, verse 46, Mark 10. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, Um, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You can imagine it, can't you? Many rebuked him, don't be quiet. But he shouted all the more. (laughs) He upped the ante. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. I love the next two words. Jesus stopped. The shout that stopped Jesus. The shout that stopped God. The shout of the stranger that stopped God in his tracks. Well, if, 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 we, weren't, if we weren't to welcome a stranger, imagine a stranger, a blind beggar. Um, if, for, 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 if it wasn't anybody else, this blind beggar actually stops God in his tracks. He stopped. And he said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet, came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, my rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, I want you to see three types of people in this passage, all right? And, and, and most of all, more importantly than seeing three types of people, I want to see you and me. I want us to find ourselves in this story. The first type is, is that we'd all love to be like is Jesus. <laughs> we'd all want to be like Jesus, don't we? Loving the unlovable, accepting the unacceptable, touching the untouchables. Um, problem is, we, while we want to be like Jesus, we usually end up living like the other type, like the disciples or the followers. Um, You've got to understand this story. The, the, they've actually spent in around a week around Jericho. They've saw some incredible things done, powerful, and now Jesus is on his way out of Jericho. He is in the last week of his life, He's literally within days of giving his life for the sins of many. He is literally, at this moment in time, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. In around, they estimate, 20 billion people to date. (laughs) And Jesus is carrying the sin because he carried it past, present, and future, you see. And and, And he's carrying the sins of in around 20 billion people. And he stopped for a stranger. You would think he, it would be the last thing in his mind, wouldn't you? You'd think it would be the last thing he would be thinking of was a blind beggar sitting by the roadside and he's carrying this incredible weight. And the disciples, they're the followers. They're caught up in the following, you see. They're, they're having a Jesus party. They're just having a, a great fun they're, they're coming from a week in Jericho and now they're leaving and all seems great and, 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 and these guys are so busy doing church they forget to be the church. They get caught up in the system and the, and the fun and the excitement and they forget that it's about the individual. They think, well, it's about the, the movement and it's about all the, the parade together and it's about the rah, rah, rah. And, and they forget to be the church and, and they're so busy following the system, they forget to actually follow his ways. And uh, these guys just didn't get it. It never entered their head for a moment that this could be the very reason they were on the road in the first place. I, I don't know the, the history, and I don't know the geography, but I wonder when I read it, would there have been a shorter road? <laughs> could, did Jesus actually divert and go this road? I, I imagine so. See, when he came to the woman at the well and it was dinner time, it was midday and it was a roasting sun, and the guy said, we're hungry and, and we need to go and get some food. We need to go to McDonald's or somewhere. And Jesus says, I have other food. And they thought, like this is, this is literally in the story, read it yourself. They thought Jesus had brought his own packed lunch. So they go off to their McDonald's to get their food. And, but Jesus is talking about another food altogether. This, this is food to Jesus. This is food. And I wonder, did he divert to come this way? This, this guy, the very reason they were on the road at all. And then, so, so we've got Jesus, we've got his disciples, and then we've got the stranger, the foreigner, the, the, the neighbor, Bartimaeus himself. This familiar man who sits at the roadside begging, but a stranger to most, if not all, he's most likely been here a long time. He's been used to the hushes and the push-offs of society. He's been used to being kicked, to the side. He's been used to being ignored. This person is like thousands within walking distance of this building. This person is the person who lives in your street. This is the person that is in your university. This is the person that goes to your school. This is the person that lives close to your vicinity. You see, there, there's all of these people, and don't let their nice clothes fool you, and don't let their smile... Um, and fool you because we have this little thing, we have this little lie that we tell in church. You say, you, you say to someone, how you doing? They say, we're fine. You know what I've learned after years and years of doing this sort of stuff? Nobody's fine. I, I've learned that everybody's got issues. Everybody. And I say this all the time, even the wee biddy deer going across the street, she got them too. I look in the mirror, this boy's got them too. All of us, we've all got issues and so, and so, we, we, we need to be careful that we don't get into our secluded little bubble church life. Alexander McLaren writes in one of his books, he tells the story of going to one of his kids' birthday party and they were blowing bubbles, like this, dipping them in, you know. And he said he watched the bubble. And he said this bubble went across the sunlight and there it was. You you know the story. And and there it is. He says, and he says that when he looked at it, it was full of multicolor and he could see the rainbow and the splendor of the bubble and then all of a sudden, boom, it popped. And he realized it was just a piece of murky, soapy water. It's easy to live a bubble life. It's easy to live a Facebook life, isn't it? Don't ever compare yourself to everybody else's Facebook life. All right? You know, my wife made me the most beautiful dinner ever tonight. Well, bully for you. You know, you're never going to write, my wife made me a dinner tonight and it was rotten. Like, you're not, not going to get that on Facebook, are, are you? We went out for a date tonight and she dressed like this. Or he did that. You don't see that in Facebook. And so we've got to be careful. We live in this bubble life, you see. And churches are, are the best at it. Christians are the best at it. They play the game. And we, 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 our smile hides everything. But you see, we, we've got to be careful with this. And, and, and we are the church. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent another kingdom. We are the bride of Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus. We carry a witty mandate from heaven to reach the world, go into all the world. You see, whenever Jesus was giving out the great commission, he was giving it to you, to you. It wasn't to me just or to someone else. It was to you. He was saying, go you into all the world. And we live in a society that's much too uh, in a rush to handle problem people. And for many, that's what the stranger is. They're a problem rather than a person. And uh, a little word of caution here as we move on quickly, because I know Brazil's plan, and I have no interest in it all, but I would hate to keep you from the second half. But um, um, Here's a little caution for you. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And I could tell you two or three stories about that right now, but I won't take time um, some other time. Um, Abram on many occasions met with angels. Jacob wrestled with an angel. Moses had an epiphany in Exodus 3 with an angel. Um, um, Gideon, most of these probably the pre-incarnate Jesus. Um, I'll explain that to you some other time. Gideon had a visitation when he was just out at work one day. He had a visitation of an angel. who called him a mighty man of God, told him he would deliver his people. You say, Phil, well, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, did you know there are at least on my count in around 17 um, illustrations in the Gospels and in the New Testament of angelic representation. All right? Just in case you, you don't believe me, Zachariah, Luke 1, was in, the, in, the, in church one day doing his biz, biz as a priest, and the angel appeared to him, said, you're going to give birth to a son, John the Baptist. An angel comes from God to a virgin named Mary, tells, him, tells her she'll give birth to the Savior of mankind. Joseph receives at least three um, separate visitations from angel, one about Mary and Mary, the other two about protecting the baby Jesus. Um, on and on we could go. They, they, they appeared twice to uh, the shepherds around Luke 2 and Matthew 4. Um, there was one came and stirred up the waters at Bethesda where people would step in and get healed. Um, there was one sent to strike. There was angels actually sent to the Garden of Gethsemane when everybody fell asleep, when all of his followers fell asleep and God thought Jesus needed somebody. sent some angels to strengthen them. Beautiful beautiful, beautiful. Luke twenty-two, thirty-nine. 39. Um, angel appeared twice near Jesus' tomb, declaring he was already risen from the dead. When the apostle, when Jesus went back to heaven, the, there was an angel standing right there, declaring that he would come the same way as they would seen him. they'd seen him go. On and on, we could go. An angel freed um, the apostles from the prison. Um, they appeared to Cornelius in Acts 10, on and on. Angel appeared to, to Paul in the ship in Acts 27. So don't tell me angels aren't important in today's ministry. Last verse in Hebrews 1 says, Are not all ministering angels sent to minister to those who are in need? And I pray a little prayer every single night. Every single night. I pray for all of my kids and all of my family and my grandkids by name. And this is what I pray. I say, Lord, would you surround our home with angelic presence? Would you fill their rooms? Would you come by your angelic hosts? And would you, would you, would you present yourself, even by your mighty angels, in their home, in, in, in their room tonight, and watch over their minds as they sleep? That's my last prayer. Because there's something very powerful about the ministry of angels. Now, four things really quickly to remember, all right? And here's the first one. And this is, you're going to, I know that you're going to totally agree with this right away. Here's the first one You are not normal. All right? You need to look at the person beside you right now and just say, you are not normal. There's something about being called that. Now, you could turn to them now and say, I'm not normal, either, so don't panic. You're not normal. You see, as as believers, as believers, you are Christ ones. That's what Christian means. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. And if you're Christ-like and a Christ-one, you couldn't call yourself normal. You couldn't, because he's not normal. You're one of the highest diplomats of the kingdom of heaven. You are the highest diplomat on earth to the kingdom of heaven. He has put into your hands, people. Remember the commission, as I said, He was commissioning you for you to go. And you can feel in this story in Mark 10, you can feel Jesus' frustration in this story. He stopped. He's sort of standing at this moment and he's saying, Guys, are you serious? You're pushing this man aside. Can you not see this was the very purpose of why I came? This was the very reason. When Jesus is saying, I set this whole thing up. If Jesus can get frustrated, I imagine he's frustrated right now. I set this whole escapade up and you're pushing him to the one side. And, And I wondered, when was the last time you stopped your hurried life to help a person like this? When was the last time you stopped your hurried life to, to help a person I like guess I read a story the other day. It really moved me. I read a story, a true story of a boy or a young man who was, who was um, in college. And um, he was coming home from college one day and he had two piles of books under his arms and he was carrying these two piles of books and he got sat on by some bullies. And they, they knocked the books all over and they scattered his papers. And, he's, and another another guy who doesn't know him is walking down the other side, spies this guy being bullied. And he comes over to his aid and he, and he sort of helps him, chases the bullies off and helps him gathering up his books. And realizes that this guy has actually just moved in new to the community and lives within walking distance of his house. And so he befriends the boy, and, and he goes, walks him home, and then he says, look, I'll, I'll come around later. I'll come around, and bring some pizza later, and we'll, we'll, we'll watch TV, or we'll play some games. And, and, and over the next weeks and months, become really, really friendly and, and, and best friends. Four or five years later, at, at the boy, at this guy who got bullied, his graduation, He gets up at his graduation and he begins to tell a story. He begins to thank the people. He begins to thank his mom and his dad and his tutors and and his teachers. And he's thanking them all for their, that they've given. And then he says, but there's one person in the the room that I really want to thank. You see, he says, five years ago, on a day, he said, I planned my suicide. He said, I wrote my suicide note. And um, he said, I went to the locker and I took all my books out of the locker because he said, I didn't want my mom or dad to have to come to the school to my locker. So he says, I'm, I'm carrying all my books home. He says, I'm a suicide planned. I have my note, I'm bringing my books home. I'm gonna leave them in my room and I'm gonna plant my suicide note for my mom and dad and I'm gonna commit suicide. And he said, this, this guy, this guy walked across the road, helped me gather up my books, give me a sense of ownership, befriended me, and he said, I'm here today because of this one person's act of kindness. Yeah. All the rooms and tears. and It's incredible, isn't it? The fact that one person, just one person would walk across the road. And When was the last time we stopped our hurried life because we're, we're, we're too busy wondering who our neighbor is? But the truth is, we're trying to find out who we really are. And, and my thing to you tonight is we are the church. We're the sent out, the called out ones. We're the sent ones, the one who had been given a commission and a mandate where diplomats of the highest kingdom on earth, the kingdom of God. And so there's something about this. I love this. So the reason that you're in that job, the reason that difficult person is in your class, that awkward neighbor, someone dealing with a sexual identity crisis, that colleague at work whose marriage is crumbling, that mom who cries herself to sleep every night because she's worried about her autistic child. On and on we could go, That you in their vicinity, you in their locality, you in... And as a work colleague could be the very reason God has placed you there, and so and and so this idea that you actually just look for people who look like you—God forbid—we do that—but actually we 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 begin to realise that these people are our neighbours; these are are the ones that we're called to. These are our strangers that we've been called to. I love this verse. It says, when you put on a luncheon or banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers and relatives and rich neighbors for they'll invite you back. And that will be your only reward. That's a good enough reward. You invite somebody for dinner and they invite you back. That's, that's a nice wee reward, isn't it? But he says, there's something deeper in this. He says, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then the resurrection of the righteous. God will, re- God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool. And, and uh, Luke 14, 23, he tells you to go out into the alleys and the highways and the byways and bring in the poor and the lame and the blind. And, and, and then again in the commission of, of, of Mark 16, I love this, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everyone, not just the l- ones who look like you and dress like you, but to everyone and anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. You see, God has given this thing. We are the diplomatic representatives, and the gospel doesn't end with you, all right? Remember this. The gospel doesn't end with you. It begins with you. It begins with you. We've been given this. We've been given this. Here's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. As God's partners, Paul, this is Paul, and this is, uh, sorry for the posture, but this is what I imagine. Everybody at the back can't see me now, but Paul is on his knees and he's saying this, I beg you, I beg you not to accept this marvelous gift and then ignore it. Guys, this wasn't given you to get you to heaven. Hmm. This wasn't given you to get you to heaven. Heaven's the byproduct and it's a pretty cool byproduct. This wasn't given you to get you to heaven. This was given you to make disciples of all nations. This was given you to take it across your street. This was given to you that you could share it with Jimmy that got the books knocked out of his arm, that maybe has wrote a suicide note and you don't even know it. And he said, I'm begging you not to accept this marvelous gift and go like the man with the one talent in Matthew 25 and burying it in a hole and saying, Well, I'll just keep that talent. And whenever God comes back, I'll be able to give him just what he gave me. Here's me, God. Me and nobody else. Because you see, it was always just about me. And God says, Oh, wicked and slothful servant. Did you not know? He said, Could you not just even have put the one thing I give you to interest? Could you not just have, could you not just have invested the one thing I give you and brought something back? You see, our mandate from heaven is to welcome the stranger. And so we've got to keep doing that. I have four points, and don't panic. I've spent more time in the first one. All. all right, so, all right, you're not normal. You must listen for God's voice, all right? You must listen for God's voice. There's so many voices there. Thousands of things are clamoring for your attention. We live in a technological age. They say that smartphones now, screen time takes up in around 75 to 80% of young people's waking hours. Some of you are on your smartphones right now, probably, Um, on Facebook or whatever else. Um, And you're saying, oh, he's speaking to me. (laughs) Well, it's true. Um, And in this story today, the followers are so caught up in the movement, so caught up in the circumstances that they miss their true destiny and their purpose. And here's my little thing. Uh, I write this up. If you can't hear him, if you can't hear him, you can't be used by him. If you can't hear him, you can't be used by him. Pretty scary, isn't it? But none of us are listening. We're all too busy. When was the last time? Now, I'm not saying when was the last time you said your prayers. Sometimes that's just the shopping list, isn't it? It's like a one way conversation. Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me. And then down goes the receiver. And God's about to go, ah, he's gone. She's away again. When was the last time we listened? Because you must listen for God's voice. And if you don't, they heard the busyness of life. These, These guys heard the rah, rah, rah. Be quiet. Don't disturb our meeting. Jesus says, no, no, bring him to me. <laughs> they say, little children, clear off. Don't bother Jesus. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Bring them to me. Forbid them not. They said to this woman, don't you dare touch Jesus. You're a vile, contaminated, filthy woman. Don't you touch him or even think about pouring oil in his feet. Jesus says, do you know what? She did what you missed. And all down through the ages, he says, in a couple of thousand years, of a wee baldy man, Emmanuel, talking about her. All through the years, all through the years, people will talk about this story. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> they, they say, "What goes the kids' lunch?" There's five thousand men here, not even including women and children. Clear off, son. Clear off. Don't, don't be bothering Jesus. Jesus says, "No, no, no. Bring that lunch to me." You see, if we don't, if, if we just look with the eye of circumstance, those who are, those who are, those who are led by the Spirit of God are called to children of God, if we look with the eye of circumstance, we'd miss it every time. We'd miss it every time. And so we've got to listen. We've got to hear God's voice time and time. Again, they seem to miss this. And so we've got to be so careful. Number three, told you to go quick. When you listen, you'll hear. Sounds pretty simple, but it's true. I, have, I can testify to this a thousand times by a thousand. When you listen, you'll hear. I say he speaks every day, Every day. I read every morning. I say, I've, I've told you this. I put my hand in the Bible. I say, God, I, I, over, the last, over the last 50 years, I've, I've read this word. You've spoke to me from it. And today, there's no exception. So will you speak to me today? And he does. Every day. Every day. And if you put yourself in the place to hear, you will hear. When you're spending time, Jesus said, I only do the things that the Father, here's an interesting little point, tells me to do. Well, how would he ever hear what you're told to do when you never listen? (laughs) But Jesus put himself in the place to listen. And he said, I only do the things the Father tells me to do. And then here's my last point. When you hear, you must go. When you hear, you must go. What would it be like if we left tonight with the voice of the Father ringing in our ears, seeing people as people and not projects and certainly not strangers? What, what would it be like if instead of saying, well, I don't really like life groups because I don't, you know, I, I don't really, I feel a wee bit vulnerable about a three and a 12. What if I were to say to you tonight, it's not just about you. <laughs> what if I were to say to you tonight that, that you, your story, because as every face changes, so does every story, your story might just bless and benefit and change the life of, of two other people in that life group. What if you, you began to say, oh, it's not just about me? What 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 if you could what if you could 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 help renew? Clothe somebody who has, who has who just has is hitting hard times? What about cap? What about food bank? What about all the things that we do? What about what about Connect Cafe? What about release, befriending, all of those things? Hope rising. Here, here's one of the Here's one of the corniest passages in all of Scripture. don't want you to read this because you'd need your binoculars, all right? But I put it up. I don't want you to read it all, and I've pulled little pieces out of the middle. I just want just to show you. It's, the, it's chapter 16 of Romans. It's the last chapter of Romans. And when Paul is finishing off his book to Rome, he mentions 28 names that are previously never before mentioned and probably never will be again. Why in the wide world would he do that? Why would he mention people like Aristobulus? Why didn't they call him Tom or something? Or, or Persis? And, and I love this, chosen in the Lord. I love this little bit. And his mother, who has been a mother to me too. How lovely. Like Paul, Paul went to somebody's house, and somebody else's mom was just a mom to him. My mom's in glory, so I'll accept any mom I can get. All right. There's something about it's beautiful, isn't it? All of these names—28 of them—20, 20, 28 unknowns. Paul just feels, as he writes, as he finishes off a book, that that these people need to be known. These people need to be recognized. And so here's the deal: God knows your name. God knows your name. God knows everything about you. Hey. He shouted from the rooftops. You are important. Whatever or wherever you are, Dixie, do you want to come and we'll 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 finish with a song. Wherever you are tonight and whatever and whatever's going on in your life, you are important. I love, um, Jesus chose 12 people. Not one of them would impress us. They were neck fishermen. One was a tax collector that nobody liked. None of them would have impressed you or me. You wouldn't have picked any of them. I think that about me sometimes. I say, God, I wouldn't have picked me, but you chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. Do you imagine that? If you're a believer tonight, if you're a believer tonight, put this in your mind, Ephesians 1, 4, that God Chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. You've got to let that sink in. He chose you in Christ. Now, I don't know what you think about election, but you're not going to argue that verse against me. I'll arm wrestle any single one of you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. If you're a believer tonight, He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you way, 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 way back before He even planned earth. He chose you. And He chose you for a time. And He chose you for a season. And you're alive right now because He wanted you where you are when you're here. That makes sense. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. One of the, one of the authors away back in the 70s was a, a girl called Beverly Steele Everett and she wrote a thing way back in 1983. I love it. She says, he says, the, more, she says the more I know about God, I realize that God is tone-deaf. He's so tone-deaf that he thinks the off-key singing of Jesus Loves Me by the five-year-old is as beautiful as a solo from the Messiah by a trained soprano. She says, I've also come to the conclusion that God can't count because if he could count, he would know better than to accept the 20 pence from a preschooler. With the same joy, he accepts a 1,000 pounds from a businessman. She says, I realize too that God just can't concentrate. He listens to millions of prayers all at the same time. Instead of concentrating on those from famous preachers and important people. And she says, he's got, God has definitely got poor eyesight. Because he doesn't see us as we are. But keeps seeing us as we could be what was she saying she's saying that the high and mighty of this world are not the ones who impress God and you see here's here's the thing here's the thing not only does God know your name and not only are you important but your part is essential and I'm back to where I started who am I is this just about me it's all about me, Jesus. No, no, no. No, no. It's all about him. It's all about him. And I'm his representative. I'm his ambassador. Do you know what ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who carries the mandate from another country into a foreign country. You and I are his ambassadors. We're to carry it into our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, into our streets. If you read Romans 16, you'll read little things like this. Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives for me, Paul says. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. He says, Mary worked very hard for you. He said, Tryphena and Triposa, those women, work hard in the Lord. He says, Persis was another woman who Worked very hard in the Lord. A palace was tested and approved in Christ. He suffered for his faith. And these few of these people, they, they had church services in their home. These were the workers. These were the nuts and bolts. These were the rewriters of the stories. And God honored them by, by telling you, giving you a big list of their names. <laughs> Heroes, legends. Just people. So my question is, who are you? if you're going to bear his name and you're going to call yourself a Christ one then you've no option but to welcome the stranger <laughs> and you've no option but to realize that your neighbor is every single person you can help every single person the old brethren preacher Mr. Knox who used to frighten the life out of me used to say this he used to say son I'll always remember this You only meet a person once and you're responsible for their soul. Scary, isn't it? That's what I was brought up in. (laughs) You only meet a person once, you said, and you're responsible for their soul. Who am I? Well, I'm a representative of heaven, so I have to welcome the stranger. Father, I pray tonight that you would... Stir our hearts. I pray, God, that we would realize who we are in Christ, that we realize the mandate from heaven. Realize, God, tonight, if we can't hear you, we can't be used of you. And so, God, in the busyness and the hurriedness of life, can we park often? Can we park up often and just say, speak, God. Speak, God for your servants last night. Good ministry team are down at the back. We'd love to pray for you. If you're struggling with any of these things we've talked about tonight, they'll pray for you. I'm not going to call anybody to the front or the ministry team are here. We're going to sing a song. Dixie's going to lead us in a song. And then I'm going to pray and that's just over. And you can get, if you're in a hurry, you can go home and see the, whoever's playing. I think it's Brazil, isn't it? Yeah. All of you. Yeah. Good. Um, but the Lord bless you. And remember, Take time for the neighbour, take time for the stranger in the week um, that you've entered upon. Let's worship together, let's stand, worship together and then I pray and that's our time over. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.